We're going to be looking at the story of Gideon, which some of you who were here this summer would know we did an entire series on the book of Judges. And so I encourage you, go back online, watch the whole series. I didn't preach on Judges 6. Uh, Greg uh, did that that week with Ben. Um, But I'm bringing it up this morning because I want to get practical, and it's one of my favorite passages to preach on in the entire Bible. So I hope you're ready. I'm going to get a little excited and passionate about this because I believe God is doing something very unique in our culture today. And I know that we mainly think about like, you know, everything's falling apart in the world and everything's bad in the world and nothing good is happening. And I want to tell you, there are some incredible things happening in the world today. Our worship pastor, Eric Maitland, is actually in India right now filming some of the underground church leaders over there who have started churches all over uh, India and the revival that's happening in spaces there. And he's going to tell those stories of what's happening. Some of you may know what's happening in uh, Kentucky right now. Yeah. Uh, at Asbury University, after a chapel, a few students decide to stick around and worship and pray. And then that turned into them staying longer. And that turned into more people coming. And now I believe it's 11 or 12 days later, they've been worshiping and praying and repenting just freely and openly. Packed out place now, hard to get into for the last 12 days straight around the clock. And I know there's some cynical people that would say, well, what's that really accomplishing? Well, that's not all we're called to do as Christians is to gather. But I would say that as we connect with the Lord and we repent of our sin and we draw near to him, that's how revival begins. And and we've been seeing that even in our church over the years. And we just got done with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you're not on the prayer chain and and fasting weekly, we encourage you to do that. I believe God is something up to something really cool here in the Midwest. In the last six years, we planted 28 churches through Multiply Indiana. Pretty soon we'll plant five more by the end of this year. God is on the move. Anderson's gonna be opening up. The new Mercy Road Anderson's happening soon. Uh, God is doing some really neat things right now today. So I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, we started this church for you. I believe that God created you for a purpose, and I want to talk about that this morning. I also want to talk to the people who've been Christians like a really long time, like too long. <laughs> you know what I mean when I say too long? Like, you, you just, it's like kind of commonplace now. You're going to heaven. You're excited about that, but you're just ready for all this to be over with. And I want to tell you, as long as God has you on this planet, he's not done with you yet. And this morning, I want to kick off, rather than going straight to Judges 6, I want to use Genesis chapter 1, and in the creation story, to use that as the platform that we're going to talk this morning about. Uh, Pastor Nate did a phenomenal job last week, didn't he? Yeah, come on, give it up for him. Uh, Talking about making a difference with our life. And I want to get practical with that now and to talk about why we're made to create. Because in the very creation story, it describes your importance. Look with me in Genesis 1, 26. It says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures of, that move along the ground. Quick teaching note says let us because it's Elohim, which is plural but means God, and in the very beginning in the creation story, it essentially gives us a picture of the Trinity, one God in three persons, to make uh, us in the image of God, and then he gave us authority to rule over all of the land. Verse 27, 
So God created humankind or mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. I want to make sure you caught that. You were created in the image of the all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe that created you in your mother's womb, that knitted you together, it says, that was there in the creation of the world, that created the universe in six days because he could, that his power and his authority is given to you. You were created in his image. Now, we all know we're not God, right? Amen. Thank goodness. Some of us are very far from God, but I want to tell you today that you were created in his image. And what that means is not that you're God, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're not God. But that because Jesus was crucified, resurrected from the grave, that our body now is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that when we receive salvation in Christ by repenting of our sin and drawing near as they're doing right now at Asbury University, crying out to God that he shows up. And that when he gave his life on the cross, the temple curtain was torn in two because God's presence no longer resided in a building, in a box. It now resided in us. You were made in the image of God, meaning that he is the great creator, that you could create the world as it should be, that what it will one day be in heaven, so it should be on earth, scripture teaches us. It was the one thing Jesus said, for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So if you're sitting here going, why doesn't the world look like that? (laughs) We got wars in Ukraine. We got political arguments and fights. We got racism. We got all kinds of things in our culture with poverty and things that need to address. Why in the world? How could we see the kingdom of God? I want to tell you as followers of Jesus that we were made to be the ones to change things, to make a difference. And some of us, we've been Christians too long. And we've stopped dreaming for what God could do in this world today. We've stopped believing that things could be different. He gave us the authority in verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the seeds and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. It later will say in Genesis 1, it's the only thing in the created order that was very good. Everything else was just good, but his creation of human beings was very good. Do you realize your importance and significance? And if you're like, I'm a nobody, let me tell you about another nobody. His name was Gideon. He was from the worst tribe, Manasseh, that wasn't a good one. And he was from the weakest clan within that tribe. He was the the least of the least within the Israelite nation. And God is going to choose him to change things. I want to tell you, really what I'm doing this morning is a message that's kind of the heart and soul of our church. You ever wonder why are all these people like starting new things and creating things and like starting nonprofits and starting outposts and starting new churches? And because I believe in the apostolic ministry of God, the pioneering work of God today to bring the truth of the gospel to people and to help people in need, the twofold mission that every follower of Jesus is called to, and that the ones getting in the way of that is us. If we just responded and allowed the Spirit of God to use us, we could see things occur. Let me give you some examples. We had, uh, I'm going to go a little history lesson for you if you're new to Mercy Road. We had a woman in our church. Her name was Christina. Um, She needed some help. And so one of our outposts helped about 50 families in need through our local elementary school. And at that time in her life, she needed a little assistance and it made a big difference and impact. She came to a worship service. She gave her life to Christ. Her kids gave their life to Christ. And God began to give her a passion to help other people in need now. And she started something called Dotted Line Divas that today is the Indie Hygiene Hub. 
and is resourcing hundreds of families all over Indiana, currently through our Northwest building, but it's a separate nonprofit making a huge impact, resourcing tens of thousands of dollars, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars of hygiene items to people who can't afford it. How cool is that? And all that started because one woman who was actually originally the one in need started believing what we're going to talk about this morning. There was another guy named Rich Abbott, who many of you know, who came to Christ through pup theology, and he had a passion for wrestling, (laughs) and he started Wrestling Theology Fellowship, and they now uh, reach hundreds of people all over the place. They've led a bunch of people to Christ, and it's incredible, all because God gave him a dream. He started dreaming again how God could use him. We highlighted a few weeks ago the LOV outpost, local over voice outpost, how they're uh, trying to eradicate the need for the foster care system by resourcing families in need to keep families together. They're helping people all over Indianapolis in the state of Indiana. Uh, there's another ministry, uh, one of our outposts that got started that is helping uh, single moms and people who have car needs, and they've raised finances to actually uh, be able to bring mechanics to fix problems and issues and helping resource people in need locally. That if you're here today and you think the world is going to hell in a handbasket and there's nothing you can do about it, I want to tell you today you can. That God may be calling you to do something to change the way that things are. And we're seeing it happen. Okay, that was sermon number one. We good? Okay, let's move on and get into Judges chapter six. And I want to ask you this question. Are you going to remove the leash you've put on God? And and you're like, I didn't put any leashes on God. That's impossible. What What I mean is in your life, are you really going to relinquish control and believe that God could use you in the ways that we read about? Look at Judges chapter six, verse one. You ready to study God's word, church? Come on now. It says this. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Now, I got to tell you, as a 21st century American, we hear the Midianites, we don't get very scared, do we? We're like, we know they don't even make it. (laughs) We don't need to worry about them. To the Israelites, like, these were scary people. The most invasive, oppressive, overwhelming people. They're raiding and pillaging them. Look, it goes on and says... They're hiding in caves. They're so afraid. Why? Verse three, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other Eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. So many, like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them for their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. They're coming in and just pillaging and destroying everything. It's so overwhelming. Anybody in here been overwhelmed recently? The Midianites been invading? I swear we have three Midianites who live in our house right now. (laughs) Parents, who's with me? I I encourage you this morning that uh, no matter what is happening, no matter how overwhelmed that you feel, you're going to see through the story of Gideon, when God is in your corner, everything changes. Everything is different. If we want to think bigger scale in our culture today, many people think uh, those issues I mentioned earlier, big things, right? Poverty, racism, go down the line of all the issues in our culture. I mean, there's nothing we can really do. We're not anybody significant, right? If you were the president or the governor, you could do something, but we can't really do anything. And I want to encourage you this morning that we can do things. 
We can make the world more like it's supposed to be. In fact, we are made to create a better world the way that God intends it, to bring heaven to earth. And here's how they eventually did something to fight back against the Midianites. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Will you pray with me? God, uh, I, first of all, I, I just acknowledge your presence here in the room. The same spirit God that is down at Asbury University is here with us right now. We don't deserve your presence. We worship you, God. And I pray that I feel like you've given me a lot to share this morning. And I pray you take away what's not of you, God, and that we would only hear what you desire us to hear through your word. Help us to respond this morning to make the world like you desire it to be. We love you, Jesus, and we surrender this time to you. We pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. You know, uh, one people group that I know understands that you can change things, you can make a difference, is moms. Are the moms in the room this morning? Apparently, the shy moms are at this service. They're like, like, are the moms here? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, this happened to us recently, uh, you know, I find in my house when, when Lisa, uh, who gets to be at the service, she's amazing. She recently had one of our sons lost an expensive item. I won't uh, share what the item is. might give which son it is away, but couldn't find the item. It was uh, very valuable that his grandfather had purchased for him and he couldn't find uh, where it was. And I was like, oh, he'll probably find it someday. She's like, no, he's going to find it today. And she told him to go look for it. He, he looked for it. You know what I'm talking about? And he's like, can't find it, Mom. I, I'm in the middle of my game. Don't bother me. And she was like, uh, no, you're not going to play the game. In fact, you may never play video games again until you find this particular item. And he spent hours searching through the whole house, or at least it seemed like hours, and he finally found this item hidden under some stuff. And the look on his face when he came and presented it to us, he was so excited. It was like, you know, Mufasa and Simba right there, baby. He was presenting this item to us. And we're celebrating. It was a cool moment. And I realized that all happened because one mom put her foot down and says, uh-uh, not on my watch. But I'm going to tell you, uh, moms, you get this a little bit about changing things just recently. This is, I have to make this announcement anyway. But we uh, were in a, a team meeting for the team that oversees the weekend service, and Pastor Nate oversees that team. And at that meeting, we were talking about, hey, is there, can we create space? We had uh, some kids that maybe got upset. Is there a space that dads could take their kids to? Because, you know, we have the nursing mom's room, the mother's room where moms could go. But what if, what if the dad wants to take? And so we thought this great idea. Why don't we turn the, the nursing mom's room into the parents' room so anybody could take their kid if they get upset into the room because it's soundproof and all that stuff. We're like, oh, that's a great idea. That's great. Yeah, that's... And then we did it. We made a video. We announced it a couple weeks ago. And then Pastor Nate went home. And uh, his wife, Shana, currently is a nursing mom. And she was like, who made that decision? <laughs> and Nate told me I could share this, so don't worry. Who made that decision? And Nate was like, uh, I guess it was me. She goes, did you ask any nursing moms before you made that decision? He was like, uh, no. <laughs> she was like, you may want to ask some people. Well, I got good news for you. We got contacted by at least four or five other moms who said enough is enough. And I want you to know, uh, moms of Mercy Road, you have been heard. 
You are getting your mother's room back. You'll see the signage is back. And we will never do that again. And we are working on something long-term for, for if a dad has a child, how we can help both parents. You know, but, but I share all that to say, you know, sometimes we think we can't do anything. And I, I've seen moms just recently in my life say, yeah, we can. We can do something. We can change some things. If your life today isn't the way you think God wants it and you feel overwhelmed, you think the Midianites keep invading, there's nothing I can do. I want to tell you it can't be different. If a mom can change in two weeks the parents' room back into the mother's room, I think you could go out and address real issues in our school, in our workplaces, in our culture, and say the Spirit of God who is with me could actually transform the world around us. You were made in the image of God. And one person, Gideon, this guy from the weakest tribe who's a nobody, is going to change everything and rid the Midianites of their oppression. But here's what you got to do if you want to unleash God's dreams in your life. Number one, get desperate for the Lord's help. Get desperate for the Lord's help. First thing they did, I'm not going to reread verses one through six. They're overwhelmed for five verses. Everything's really bad. They're hiding in caves. And then they cried out to the Lord for help. Verse six. They got so desperate, they said, because the Midianites had impoverished them so much. They finally said, enough is enough. Put my foot down and I'm crying out to the Lord for help. Some of you have been invaded and pillaged by things in this world. You've turned to drugs, to alcohol, pornography, sexual lives that you know aren't honoring to the Lord. I'm not trying to guilt anybody or shame anybody in the room, but we're going to be real this morning. That the first step is that you need to just be honest and cry out to the Lord for help. Some of us in the room, you've been Christian so long that you've been putting off the thing God's been asking you to do to make an impact with your life for so long You just think, well, I'm never going to get around to it. And you just got in survival mode. And if I ask you today, what's your prayer life look like? How do you cry out to God? Man, we just did the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the one thing it showed me is how much I need that. They cry out to the Lord for help. And here's what happens. Verse 7. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I love this. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. But tell me about the Midianites again. What he does here is he reminds them, hey, Remember, remember when you had nothing and you were living in slavery for 400 years and I heard your cries and remember you got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh was coming to kill you and then I parted the sea and then you walked across some bare land and then the sea came down on the army and then you still didn't trust me to go into the promised land. So you lived for 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness, and yet I didn't give up on you. I gave you sandals for your feet, it says in Deuteronomy. He says, I, I even, you woke up every morning and you were hungry. I had little Pop-Tarts for you for breakfast every morning. So you didn't have to worry about it. You remember when I took care of you all that? And then I gave you this land. I gave you everything. And now here you are, worried and frustrated about the Midianites. Some of us this morning, maybe you need to remember what God has done in your life, how he's provided for you in your times of need, and get desperate to ask the Lord for help yet again. And number two, if you're taking notes, to then change your definition of what's possible. 
change your definition of what's possible. Look what happens here in uh, verse 13 of Judges 6. <laughs> I love Gideon, man. I feel like he's like kind of the every man today. Uh, pardon me, my Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the whole thing about you always being there for us. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. It's so easy to compare ourselves to other people and families, other students and kids, friends of ours, especially with social media. Feel down like we don't have what we want and our life isn't that special and I could never really make an impact with my life. I could never go defeat the Midianites. I could never actually overcome the issues I'm facing in my life and break the habits of sin and lust. I could never do it. It's not possible. I could never go out and be used by God to make an impact because I'm a nobody. I don't have any power and authority. And God is in the habit of taking those who have no power and authority, Gideon, Joshua, all the way back to Israelites themselves, even to the 12 disciples who were the ones the other rabbis passed over because they weren't the educated ones that people wanted. And he uses people like that to change the world. You have to change your definition of what's possible a little bit. But the reason we don't, because just like Gideon in this passage, we feel so overwhelmed. And where are you, God? What's, what's the most overwhelmed you've been in your life? Can I tell you one of the times I was overwhelmed? And um, I've shared this story, but it's been a few years, and most people ask me never to share it again. So this should be fun. Uh, my youngest son, when he was uh, a year and a half old, uh, he was up in his room, and he got quiet for a while. Now, when we were young, new parents, we would be like, oh, thank goodness, finally, we get a break. But, you know, we're not that naive. We were like, why is he so quiet? <laughs> What's he doing in his room? Come on, parents. And then I walked upstairs. Lisa's like, you better go check on him. So I walked upstairs, and I opened the door. And the things I saw, I could never unsee again. And this is a true story. Don't judge. And I'm going to try and tell it politely, but... He was a year and a half old, and he had just discovered that he could now reach the things that were in his diaper when he was in his room. And we had had that happen with another kid before, but I had never witnessed this. And I'm going to try to tell this the best I can. He took the things from the diaper, and he had begun to like, I don't know if he was going to war with somebody. <laughs> he was preparing for battle. He had taken some of it in like a pomade, like put it up in the hair. He had a big smile on his face. I saw chunks of things I could not unsee. <laughs> then this is true. There was so much of this particular item that he had, he had taken it and he had made his own personal pan pizza in the carpet of his bedroom. I was horrified. I was so overwhelmed. I was like, the Midianites been invading. I give up. It's over. So here's what we did. Uh, we took the next, like, I don't know, days and took every cleaning supply we could, and we cleaned the entire room, and Lisa was, like, scrubbing all this stuff, and we get it all cleaned up. It smelled like lemon everywhere, except I could still smell this, like, faint undertone. I was like, what is wrong? And it's driving me nuts, and then I'm like, oh, I got, but I got a good sense of smell, so I started, started sniffing around, and then I noticed the primary place where the items had been was not where the smell was really permeating from, and so I followed my nose, and I went over to this four-and-a-half-foot-tall dresser, and on top of it, 
I began to sniff around, and I noticed the scent was coming from over here. It's like, how is that possible? The only thing on the, the dresser is a lamp. And then I noticed there was no light bulb in the lamp. And I looked inside, and he had taken the things from the diaper and stuffed them in the light socket of the lamp. You think you got it bad? I was so overwhelmed, I wanted to give up. And, and then here's what finally happened. I promise there is a slight point to this morning's story. I was like, how is that physically possible? He's 18 months old. He just started to learn to walk. I'm like, how did he do this? And then I was like, Jack, can you show me what you did? And he, he goes over and he, he puts one leg on the wall and, and both hands on the dresser, fully extended. And then he shimmies up four and a half feet, grabs the top. This is the part, I don't know how he did it. It was a miracle of God. He, he extended himself up, threw himself on top of the dresser like a dolphin out of the water. And then he took the things somehow that he had collected along the way and stuffed it in the light socket. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> now I was just impressed, you know, <laughs> like, but I want to tell you, parents, you know what it's like to be overwhelmed. Do you know how many times that happened again in, in the house? That particular thing never happened again. Why? Because every time he got quiet in a room, we were like, you get up there. <laughs> He's like, I'm sprinting, right? <laughs> we never wanted that to happen again. And the vigilance you will have when you want something to stop, stops. But some of us think it's not possible. I saw an 18-month-old climb up, <laughs> shimmy up a four-and-a-half-foot dresser. I'm telling you, a lot is possible, especially when God's in your corner. And you need to start thinking that maybe you're the one this morning that if we were looking at the room of your life, it feels like a mess. It could never be cleaned up. And even when you try and clean it up, it still feels like there's faint undertones of something's wrong in my life. I'm not like those other Christians. I'll never be one of those good people. And I want to tell you this morning, please, I'm desperate that you hear this. You have to change your definition of what's possible in your life. You, you have to believe that God created you could actually change things and you could stop the things that are happening. See, the third point that if you're taking notes, he, he's like, pardon me, my Lord. I don't know. I, I, the Midianites, they're really strong. There's nothing we can do. And he's like, uh, wait a second. Adjust your perspective to God's. Number three, if you're taking notes, look at verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? If you feel like there's nothing you can do, you need to start seeing God the way that, or seeing your life the way that God sees your life. That you were created in his image. That you were made to create a better world and that you could actually change things because his spirit is with you. Am I not sending you, he says, but Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, really easy, I'll be with you. I will be with you and you will strike that, we will strike down the Midianites together. That if you jump all in with God, that you could see him use you to transform things in this world, to make it look a little bit different. In fact, I say it this way. Some of us, we have goals in life. Like we were like, yeah, you know, someday I want to do this thing. I got like these other things I want to accomplish. I encourage you to not set, don't set goals, set obsessions. Like, what does that mean? Well, when you're obsessed with God and what he's doing in your life, you go all in. It's not like, oh, I'm 50-50, you know, you're like all in. Uh, when I used to, uh, growing up, I don't know if you guys noticed, I'm not a tall man. 
I don't know if you noticed that or not. I've never been a tall man. Um, in fact, even when I was, uh, I was this tall when I was in high school too. I don't know if you knew that. And I used to play basketball a lot. And here's the thing. People hated playing me in basketball. Uh, the, guy, the kids in the neighborhood, they'd always be like, Josh, it's not the NBA finals. Like, you don't have to play so hard. But I don't know what it is. When I got into a basketball game, it's just the way I was wired. It was like all or nothing. Like, it's on. Like, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for the generations of you. I'm going to win, right? And I want to tell you this morning that if you want to see God actually move, you have to be all in and say, God, I'm not just playing around here. Think about it for just a second. The story that he gives Gideon in this passage about the Red Sea parting and how he provided for them and freed them from their enslaved uh, after being 400 years enslaved. Remember how that all happened? They had to be standing there before the sea parted. Everybody wants to see God part the Red Sea in their life, but nobody wants to be standing at the edge of it before it parts with Pharaoh coming to kill and destroy you. Nobody wants to go fight the Midianites and just trust God's going to show up. Nobody wants to extend the battle of the day and believe that God's going to make the sun stand still so Joshua and the warriors could have victory. Nobody wants to follow Jesus in the New Testament and have him be crucified and be you know, scattered throughout the known world in the Roman Empire, spreading the gospel, living sacrificially and desperately. But if you want to see God move, you have to get so obsessed all in and say, God, I'm going to trust you not just with some, but with everything. And that's the hard part. In fact, I want to give you an example of that. I believe that crazy people, this is the fourth and final point, crazy people change the world. That, that Gideon got crazy enough to believe that God was going to provide, that he gave up everything and went in, and God will give him victory over the Midianites. And this guy from the weakest clan and the weakest tribe is given victory as the great judge and leader of their day, all because he had faith and trusted God enough. I want you to hear from a family in a very simple way. For years, God had been stirring them to minister to high school students. Uh, and the dad left his career of 20 years in the business world and just said, okay, we're in. Let's do this. Let's watch this uh, video together about base camp. Hi, my name is Micah, and this is my wife, Brooke. And uh, we started the base camp 2911 Outpost uh, in May of last year. So it's very fresh, but it is going well. It really all began with, with the stirring and our hearts for ministry for teenagers, um, high schoolers specifically. I had spent 20 years in business and just always felt like there was something more, something stirring. And oftentimes I'd be sitting in a service and my heart would start to beat a little bit faster. And I just felt like, um, I felt like God was speaking to me and saying, you can't ignore this anymore. And so Brooke and I, we would talk about it. You know, she would hear me year after year saying, I feel like I should be doing something, but I don't know. And so eventually we both said, let's, let's do this. I mean, every, every other week when we get to meet with teenagers, high schoolers, it's not about the number. It's about if you can just reach one teenager. One of our, our big goals, our, our vision, is to help kids understand their identity in Christ and that that's their foundation. And then to be able to figure out his purpose for their lives. And so we 
are super excited about this series because it, it ties in well with what we're trying to accomplish with them. It's like, how has God made you unique? How has he given you something that you're passionate about, that you're excited about? Recognize that you're not here by accident, but that God does have a purpose and a plan for your lives. Leave it in God's hands. We've seen God move in so many ways over the last year, and it's just incredible. Be who he created you to be, and it's pretty awesome. That's one example of a family saying, hey, we know God's asking us to do this. Let's stop talking about it and let's do it. And I'm just asking some people this morning that you might dream again to say, hey, I'm gonna put a stake in the ground. And like Gideon, I feel like I don't got it together. I, I could never do anything. I can't fight back. There's no way I could have an impact. And you're gonna start saying, because God is with me. I am not alone. I'm gonna put the stake in the ground and God use me. I'm going to start asking that thing that you've been calling me to do. Some of you need to go out and talk to Pastor Greg at Outpost Central and say, you know, Outposts are a long-term spiritual family that actually live on mission here. Think of like a large, small group that actually lives to make an impact, to share our faith and evangelize and to help those in need, the twofold mission of every believer. Maybe that gets you excited and you want to join with that and what they're doing. We even have training at 9 a.m. to help you and equip you to do that very thing. Or maybe for some of you this morning, you feel like you, it's not that God is asking you to go fight this new spiritual battle and to make an impact, but you need to let him transform your life. And you start by crying out to him because your life is the one that's the mess. And other people don't see it, but you know in the undertones, there's things you're hiding in your life. And he wants to come and make it new. And I want to tell you, you don't have to be afraid of that. We, we have people worshiping all the time that have done some really terrible things in their life. Welcome to the club. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one's perfect. But because if we believe and receive it with faith in Jesus Christ, all things could be made new. His, his mercies are new every morning in our lives. But it takes us doing something. And see, this is where I think a lot of times we miss the mark. I see in Christianity over the last 10 years some really healthy things to say that we shouldn't just be doing stuff for God. We should first be with God, which is totally accurate. We have to, that's why I love what's happening down in Kentucky and why we worship God so passionately here. Being with God changes us, transforms us, makes us new, brings new life to us. But... The response to that then is to go do the good works of God, to be used by God to make an impact. And what I see can happen to us sometimes, we have some people doing but not being with God, but we also have people who have been with God, who love worshiping him, love studying his word. But when it comes to go and do likewise, like Jesus said, to live differently, to be a creator in the world, to make an impact that lasts eternity, for eternity to sacrifice for those in need, to help people, to tell people about our faith in Jesus. That's where we draw a line because that would require something of us that makes us uncomfortable. We'd have to go out and fight the Midianites and believe that God was gonna show up. And I wanna tell you today, it will be hard, but it will be the best thing that you've ever done with your life. I, I, the things that encourage me more in my faith than anything else is the times I've stood at the edge of the Red Sea and said, God, you're going to have to show up or this is going to go bad. And when he's shown up, I get to look back and see how real God was. When my wife and I moved across the country and found our unborn son had a genetic disorder and he, he lived two weeks. 
And we were just like Gideon in that passage, which is why I love it so much. Why did you do this, God? Let the Midianites destroy everything. Why did you bring us here and have all this happen? And yet in that moment, as we began to learn how to trust God, he showed up and reached other broken people just like us. And I wonder who in the room here in this space right now or attending online or who watches this later, this video or on demand later, I want to tell you that I believe that there are sleeping giants of the faith like we often talk about, but it's time to put your foot down and stop talking about what you'll do one day and start doing it today. Because God has been calling out to you and you only have so many minutes on this planet left. Will you pray with me? God, I first come to you for those of us who have been Christian for too long. <laughs> we've gotten complacent and we've, we've taken in from you, but we haven't gone out to be used by you. If you want to do the beautiful thing to admit that right now, I invite you to pray this with me. God, I repent because I do need to repent of that. I've gotten complacent in my faith. I pray, Lord, that whatever you have for my next step of how to be used by you, I surrender everything in my life to you as Lord, use me. You want me to go somewhere or do something or leave something behind? I'll do it. And then for those in the room who maybe your life has just become the mess and you're so overwhelmed and the Midianites have been invading you and you feel like you just got to give up, I want to invite you to pray this amazingly beautiful and dangerous prayer. This morning, God, I confess that I need you. I feel overwhelmed and alone at times and I need you to be with me. And so on this morning, I surrender everything in my life to you, not just some, God. I, I want to be obsessed with you, Lord. I surrender everything in my life to you as Lord Jesus. And then I do this beautiful thing. I repent of anything in my life that's not of you. And right now, maybe there's some things that through the course of the sermon, you know are not right. If you were going to stand before God, you know are not right. He already knows it. He can already tell. Why not just admit it to him right now, not out loud, but just confess him to him the things you need to repent of. God, we come to you with repentant hearts and we invite you fully in. Pray this finally with me. I surrender everything in my life to you as Lord. Use me, Jesus. We pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen. Amen.